You may have noticed, you may not have, that I'm here by myself this morning. Rhonda has abandoned me again. <clears throat> Rhonda is away on a teacher's retreat. She goes on that annually every year. Six, seven or eight teachers from the school where she used to teach. They still um, head off for a weekend together and they do all sorts of fun things together. So that's where she is, enjoying herself. Which means, of course, that I had to get my own breakfast this morning and dress myself. It's very difficult. I've been married for 46, almost 47 years. And it is difficult to know how to do all of those things as a mere male. I hope she has a lovely time. She'll be back this afternoon. Um, something else, sad news. Back in January, I think it was January the 1st, we had a baptism of a young Aboriginal boy, Indigenous boy, Jay Roan, Jay Roan Diamond. He was 14 then, and he had been for several years uh, dealing with cancer, even at that young age. And sadly, last yesterday, yesterday morning, Jay Roan passed away after his 15th birthday, some earlier on this year. Um, his mum and dad were with him. His mum just had a new baby boy. Um, so that was a blessing for him um, to know that. Uh, he was out of the hospital, he had gone home and he died at home with his mum and dad. So Jay Roan uh, will pray for the family and eventually the body will be moved back north, I'm not sure where, Mount Isa or Darwin perhaps. Rod and Dot Hockey are up in Darwin at the moment and attending another funeral up there and they're of course in touch with the family and will undoubtedly participate in it. But I know some of you had been praying for Jay Roan and for that family, and I just wanted to let you know that. So let's pray together and pray for them and for ourselves. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the life of Jay Roan Diamond. Thank you for his faith, his very strong faith in you. And uh, just for his faithfulness amidst all of his limitations in being obedient to you, being baptised, and seeking to be loyal and faithful to you. Bless his mum and his dad. Be with them in this time of mixed time of grief, but also joy with a new little babe. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would watch over this family, that you would provide for them, and that you would uh, assist them in all of the mechanics of all of the things that have to happen. And I commit that to you and ask that you would facilitate that and make it as easy as possible for them. Be with Rod and Dot up north, keep them safe as well. And Lord, we pray for ourselves here that you might um, help us to be aware of your presence, help us to learn about you more this morning and to stimulate us in our walk with you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be together and we commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. And everyone said... This morning we are beginning a new series that goes for the next six weeks on the Holy Spirit. And so my, this morning we're going to sort of do a step back and do it like an overview of what we're doing. And then in the next five weeks we're going to become a little bit closer and a little bit more personal. Um, we're going to have a look particularly at the Holy Spirit who is with us or if you like who is in us. Um, we're going to look next week. Pastor David, will, uh, he's away this weekend with a family function as well. Um, he's going to preach next Sunday on what the Holy Spirit does in our life. 
And of course, there's a vast list, so he's going to have to be a bit selective in doing that. So pray for him as he prepares for that. Then we'll talk about being filled and baptised with the Holy Spirit, which can be controversial. Then Pastor Tracy is going to teach us about what's the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in us, is with us, is part of our life. Pastor Charlie, before he goes on holidays, Charlie and Elena are heading off to New Zealand at the end of June. Elena's sister, Winnie, uh, has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and that's a burden for them. And they're going to have, they're going to New Zealand to have a family conference and conversation about what's the way forward. So pray for Charlie and Elena, please, that I know God's direction and wisdom in all of that. Before he goes, we're going to flog him hard. Um, he's going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Um, that'll be a three-hour message before he goes. And then I'm going to finish the series off at the end with uh, what are the sins that we can commit against the Holy Spirit? The Bible is very specific about that and there are things that we need to be aware of and warned about. So that's where we're going. And this morning I wanted to, well, before I even give you that, when we come to talk about the Holy Spirit, some people are confused, some people are in the dark, some people are just vague or tentative or even nervous, even maybe afraid. There are some extremes to avoid in this matter. Um, oh. The two extremes to avoid, um, and because we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit, please don't assume or out of fear, jump to the conclusion that we're becoming charismatic or we're becoming Pentecostal or we're suddenly going to become strange. We're already strange, we're already strange yeah. <laughs> I left the door open for that one, didn't I? I had a person come to me last week and they said, do you think the church is becoming more charismatic? And I went, huh? <laughs> we spoke about it and I said, well, we certainly are trying to become you know, more connected in our sense of worship and connected as a church and that. But that's not what charismatic means. I told them what charismatic meant and I went, oh. So, if this is an area, and some of us, some of you, have come out of uh, painful experiences in some churches where strange things have happened. Now, please don't hear me either saying that charismatic churches and Pentecostal churches are dangerous. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that some charismatic churches... Some Pentecostal churches, some Baptist churches, Anglican, some go to these extremes and we need to avoid the extremes. What are the extremes? Well, on the one side, there are those who are cessationists. They believe that all of the gifts and the miracles and everything else that happened in the New Testament have ceased. It's over. It's not for now. That following Jesus is all about... Um, propositional truth that we have in our heads and it's reading the Bible and that's it. It's a mental thing, relationship. On the other extreme are those who are sensationalists. Sensationalists, it's stopped. Sensationalists, it's all about emotion and it's about being worked up and it's about being uh, frothing at the mouth and you know throwing yourself around and it's not about the scriptures, it's about what you feel. That one's all mental and mental only. This one's emotion and almost emotion only. 
And there are some churches, and they're not necessarily bad churches, but there are some churches who they go, people go to that church to be emotionally lifted up. And that gives them enough energy then to go for another week. Then they have to go back and get another injection the following week. Now, it doesn't have to be a bad church that does that. But that is a dangerous way to behave because it's overemphasizing the sensationalism of it all. If I don't get a miracle, if I don't uh, feel the buzz of the Holy Spirit or something, then I must be distant from God. It's just extreme. And so we certainly want to be avoiding that. In this series, we want to uh, dispel the confusion and embrace the wonderful life of the Holy Spirit within us, transforming us and also transforming our understanding of who God is. The Holy Spirit, um, Francis Chan wrote a book called uh, The Forgotten God. It's a book about the Holy Spirit, the forgotten God. We emphasize so much God the Father and God the Son. We forget about God the Holy Spirit. That's not true for many of you, but it might be true for some of you. In fact, one of the criticisms that I have heard of Baptist churches over decades is that, and that's this group particularly, that they, the Trinity that they believe in is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. Not God the Holy Spirit. So we want to avoid that. He is the forgotten member of the Trinity in many ways, but he is essential to us. He's essential because you can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. He's the one who convicts us of sin, who grants us repentance, who enters our lives at conversion, who baptizes us into the family, making us part of the body of Christ. John 3, 5, that's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You've got to be born again, born of the Spirit. You can't have assurance of salvation without the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 16. The Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are sons of God, children of God. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. You can't be mature in Christ without the Holy Spirit. Because a mature follower of Jesus is bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the characteristics of the Lord Jesus. You can't understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.12. He's the one, the Spirit of God is the one who understands the mind of God. And it's the Spirit of God who inspired the Word of God. And it's the Holy Spirit who illumines us, who helps us to interpret scriptures correctly. The Holy Spirit within is our companion, our tutor. He illumines our minds. He opens our hearts and minds and our understanding. We can't serve God without the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives us the gifts. And we can't even witness without the Spirit. Because as Jesus said, when the Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to be my witnesses. Many people think of the Spirit and... When you try to explain the Spirit, as we're going to try and amplify in this series, is that some people erroneously think of the Spirit as a force, as an it, not as a person. Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. Not like in Star Wars, you know, may the force be with you. Powerful, but impersonal. The Holy Spirit is not a divine vibe. He's not a hum or a buzz. He's not a thing. He's not an it. I often hear, particularly new believers, but I hear sometimes believers talk about the Holy Spirit as an it. He's not an it. He's a person. He's a him. Not that he's male. He's personal. 
him, just as Jesus said. You can't have a personal relationship with a force. You can't have a personal relationship with electricity. In fact, a force or a power, like electricity or nuclear power, is you control it. You get it to do what you want to do. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person and he wants to control you. And he wants to use you as his witness, as his servant, to achieve God's purposes. So let's not be ignorant of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament uses that phrase. Paul likes this phrase. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, about. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about God's righteousness. In Romans 11, verse 25, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about Israel's future. In 1 Corinthians 12, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. 1 Thessalonians 4, I don't want you to be ignorant about what happens to a believer when they die, the destiny of believers at death. They go to be with the Lord. And so the Apostle Paul also is saying to us, I don't want you to be ignorant about the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he says to the Corinthians, don't you realise that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you realise he is in you the Lord Jesus in fact said at one point to his disciples even in our reading the Holy Spirit is with you but he will be in you intimately associated with your entire being so let's not be ignorant of him let's learn as much as we can let's not be indifferent to him don't just dismiss this and push it aside and, but rather let's be open Lord teach us more about yourself and the New Testament calls the Holy Spirit Lord in a couple of places and of course let's avoid the extremes the wild the overly emotional or the overly ecstatic or the unbalanced please don't hear me saying let's be unemotional no no we're whole healthy people we have emotions and we need to own them and give them vent here is the sentence i would like us to learn <clears throat> we'll test this at the end the holy spirit is a divine person who helps us the Holy Spirit is a divine person who helps us. Got it? Got it? Closing prayer? That's all I got. Turn to the person beside you and tell them. The Holy Spirit is a divine person who helps us. Go on, do it. Did you say it to yourself? <laughs> Three points come out of that sentence. Three things for us to learn today. The Holy Spirit is a divine person who helps us. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a force. It's not an it. He is a person. He has a personality. Personal pronouns are used of him. The Lord Jesus spoke about, if I go away, I'll send to you another advocate, one just like me. He will lead you into all truth. He has the attributes of a person. In John 14, 15 and 16, if you read through that passage, and I can encourage you to do so, he teaches, he testifies, he convicts, he guides, he speaks, he declares, and he takes what is God's and he shares it with us. He's a person. 
He does what persons do. He leads, he witnesses, he helps, he prays, he searches, he knows, he decides, he distributes, he gives, and he has fellowship. He is a person. He can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30. These descriptions only make sense if and only if the Holy Spirit is a person. The Bible tells us that the Spirit has an intellect, 1 Corinthians 2.11. The Spirit knows things. The Holy Spirit has emotion. In Romans 15.13, it's love. Ephesians 4, it's being grieved. The Holy Spirit has emotion. The Holy Spirit has a will. He decides to do certain things. He is the one who decides which gifts we get. So the Holy Spirit is a person with a heart that feels, a mind that thinks, and a will that acts. In fact, the Lord Jesus says in John 14 and 15, I'm going back home. I'm going to heaven. I'm leaving you. I won't leave you as orphans. I will send to you another advocate, another helper, another, the Greek word is paraclete. Some of you would be familiar with that. And when the Lord Jesus says, I'm going to send you another one, he means I'm going to send you another one just like me. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. Jesus is just like God the Father. Philip says, just show us the Father, Lord, and we'll be okay. Philip, if I've been with you for so long, you don't realize that those who have seen me, you've seen the Father? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are similar. They are alike. They are distinct. They're like, this is either going to be really helpful or it's going to be just confusing. These like triplets. They are like each other, but they are different to each other. They are made of the same substance, spirit, but they are distinct. But they're not three gods. They are one. So there is only one God, one divine being made up of these three persons. If I was walking down the street and I had an ice cream and I dropped the ice cream and I turned to Rhonda, the source of all income in our household, <coughs> and said to her, can I have another one, please? Another one. She would ask me, do you want one exactly like that or you just want another one, a different one? In the Greek, they use two different words. They have two words for different or another. Two words for another or for different. One means different and different to the one that I had then. It's another one, but it's different. So instead of getting, you know, a magnum, classic magnum, I'm going to get an almond-coated magnum. Similar but different. On the other hand, if I had a classic magnum, which are the best ones, I think, <coughs> and I said, I want another one of those, it means I want another classic one, just like that one. That's the word Jesus uses, alos. I'm going to send you another advocate, another helper, another meaning one just like me. Just as Jesus was a person, so the Holy Spirit is a person. Um, and the Lord Jesus said, uh, it's good, in fact, that I go away because if I don't go away, I can't send you the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus is saying to us, you are better off with the Holy Spirit than we are with him in the flesh. And you think about that just for 10 seconds and you realize, yeah, that's true. Why? Well, if Jesus was here in the flesh, where would he be? Jerusalem? He'd be over there not here. 
Or is the spirit? It's here. Not just here, here. Jesus says, it's better that I go away because then I can send you the spirit who is like me. And the spirit in us is Jesus in us. When Jesus says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, he means I in my spirit am with you because the son of God is at the right hand of the father. He is, a pe- he is Holy Spirit is a person. He's become resident in us if we are believers in the Lord Jesus. And the reason he has become resident in us is because he wants to be president of us. You may need to hold an election. Who's going to be in charge in your life? Spirit, the Lord Jesus by his spirit, or self? The reason he becomes resident in us is that he might be president of us. He certainly has desires and there are things that he wants to do in us. And Pastor David's going to amplify that for us next week. So the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. He's God. He is the third person of the triune God, the Trinity. As I said, there's only one God, similar substance. He's not a lesser God. He's not a being or an angel. He's not a substitute name for God. Some people mistakenly think, when you start thinking about the Trinity, it does get pretty difficult, doesn't it? It's something we take by faith in the revelation of God. It's not something that we can reason. It's not against reason. It's above reason. It doesn't contradict itself. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. Um, When some people think about the triune God, they think there is one God. Sometimes he's the Father. Sometimes he's the Son. Sometimes he's the Spirit. That's called modalism. They were in different modes. But that's incorrect. Because that means the Father, the Son and the Spirit are simply faces of this one God. They're not faces, they're persons linked together. And the Holy Spirit is one of those persons. All three appear together at Jesus' baptism. The Father's voice, the Spirit in the form of a dove, and the Lord Jesus, the Son, in the waters of baptism. When Jesus told his disciples, go into the world, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name, singular, of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The three appear together. They appear in not just baptisms, they appear in the benediction. In fact, if you read through the New Testament very carefully, you will find that the Trinity is mentioned in each of the, certainly most of the New Testament books, and there'll be scattered references to the Father, to the Son, and to the Spirit. They'll be there somewhere together, sometimes in the one verse, sometimes in a paragraph, sometimes in the chapter. There's this perpetual Trinitarian theme flowing through the entire New Testament. In the book of Acts, the terrible story of a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, who sold a piece of property and they pretended to bring all of the proceeds, the profits to the church. They didn't have to do that, but they were looking for egotistical satisfaction or self-glory or something. And Peter said to them, Ananias, how is it Satan has filled your heart so that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and you've kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold? Wasn't it at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You haven't lied just to human beings. You have lied to God. Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit in verse 3? 
Why did you lie to God in verse 4? You can link those. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. That was Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. He does what God does. He knows and comprehends the thoughts of God. He is eternal. He is the creator. He is omnipresent. Where can I go from your spirit? He is the one who reveals God. He is a full and equal member of the Godhead, therefore worthy of receiving prayer, praise, worship, glory and honour. Don't think of the Holy Spirit as the Father's servant or as somebody who is subservient to him. He is one with and he is like the Father and the Son. He is a divine person. Everything we can say about God, we can say about the Holy Spirit. And in fact, I like this phrase. The above us God of the Old Testament has become the with us God in the Gospels, has now become the in us God of the New Testament. Father, Son, Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not only a a divine person, he is a divine person who helps us. I came across this illustration which I found very helpful. He is the executor of the will of God. Some of you would have been executors of people, loved ones, family members who have passed away and you're the executor of their estate, of their will. An executor has a job to do when somebody has died. And when the person has died, the inheritance becomes available to someone else and it's the executor's job to make sure that they get what the one who died wanted them to have. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Lord Jesus died. And now it's the Holy Spirit's job to make sure that all of us inherit, we receive what we have inherited, what he died to give us, forgiveness of sins. Love, joy, peace, service, gifts, purpose. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do what Jesus makes possible. He helps us. And next week, David will expand this. The Father is the one who wills it. He's the author. The Son is the one who makes it possible. He's the actor, the actioner. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gets on with it and does it. He's the applier. He applies what God wills and what Jesus has achieved to us. If you look at every biblical character, particularly in the Old Testament, but the New as well, then you'll find that the Spirit of God came on them or came to them. They were just very ordinary people, just like you and me, whom the Holy Spirit equipped, empowered and used as his chosen instruments. Sounds like a good theme. Ordinary people, empowered by the Spirit, Responding to the spirit within, being his chosen instruments. It's the Holy Spirit who gave us the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit who gave a body for the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit who... in This will take a whole lot longer to amplify, so I'm just going to say it, and you can come and talk about it if it's not clear for you. The Holy Spirit is the one who enabled Jesus to perform the miracles that he performed. Why didn't Jesus do any miracles before... 30 because he received the anointing of the spirit at his baptism and then he started doing his miracles 
It's the spirit that enabled Jesus, the human Jesus, to do the miracles that he did. He is the executor of God's will. He is a divine person who helps us. It's the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. It's the spirit who builds the church. It's the spirit who grows us in our Christian maturity. The spirit enters us permanently. We don't have to beg or wait. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, he is already part of your life. Um, In the Old Testament... He came and he went. He came on and he left. You can read through the scriptures of Samson, for instance, or Saul or others. The Holy Spirit left them. David prays in Psalm 51, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. That's Old Testament. New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes and now he comes permanently. He is with us. He is in us and he doesn't leave. He goes with us wherever we go. Our body is his temple. Wherefore, he's with us all of the time in every place. He encourages us, motivates us, helps us, comforts us, strengthens us, and he equips us. He's the one who gives us our gifts. He is the one who anoints for service. He is the one who gives us those words with those divine appointments. Without the Holy Spirit, well, the question is, the question isn't, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? The question is, how can the Holy Spirit get more of me? I already have all of him because he's a person. Does he have all of me? Am I fully surrendered, fully submitted? Am I obeying all that he wants me to do? Dr. Carl Bates asked this hypothetical and projected an answer. He said, if God took the Holy Spirit out of the church, he estimated that something like 85 to 95% of what we do would go on. If God took the Holy Spirit out of the church, 90% of what we do would go on. That's an terrible indictment, isn't it? Because what that means is we're operating on our own abilities, our own flesh, our own human resources that... We're governed by worldly thinking. We're going through the motions. The Lord Jesus was very serious when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me will bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Jesus is very serious about that. Therefore, we need to rely and surrender and submit fully to him. Summary. Here we go. I know this is a lot of information. May God help us to absorb it. The Holy Spirit is God's presence on earth in us. He is the executor of God's will. Without the Holy Spirit, God would be distant. Christ would be in the past. The gospel would be good news but out of reach. And the church would only be a human organisation, not the living organism of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is and always has been God at work in creation, in revelation, in redemption, and in renewal. The Holy Spirit applies the work of Christ to believers, and thus he mediates the work of the Saviour to us. He makes it real to us. And the goal of discipleship now is to keep in step with the Spirit and to bear fruit. Christianity is both cerebral, it's what we think, what we believe, what we reason, and it's experiential. Our emotions are involved. It's a combination, avoiding the extreme. The Holy Spirit is a divine person who helps us. If you would like 
prayer, you'd like someone to pray for you, then please come forward at the end of this service. I'm going to conclude the service now simply by praying. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are on a journey with you, learning more about you and particularly learning more about your spirit, the divine Holy Spirit. I pray that you might guide us in the weeks ahead, that you might draw very near to us, um, release us from any shackles that bind and limit us, and Lord, have your way perfectly in us and through us. May the God of hope fill each of us with joy and peace as we trust in him so that we might overflow with that hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. If you would like prayer, please come forward.